It's a pleasure to finally meet you. Likewise. So, um, before we get started, it was uh, Christina that told me about the whole situation. And uh, I haven't heard any really last-minute updates on how baby Cyrus is doing, but um, I have a lot of unusual health connections because that's the first part of the background that I came from was um, natural health solutions and degenerative diseases and aging and, um, you know, totally outside the normal box. That's fantastic. I was wondering, you know, who would be, if you wanted, a possible source of help that you wouldn't find in other places. And the place that I thought of, um, you may already know about, it's in Florida, and it's called Hippocrates Health Institute. I don't. Uh, Hippocrates Health Institute, the only person that we know of there currently in Florida, we just moved to Florida two months ago, is Uh Dr. Mercola, but the Hippocrates Health Institute, you said? Yeah, this is way, you know, probably the best place in the country that I know of. Where is that specifically? Do you know? Yeah, it's in West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach. Okay, that's not too far. Mercola is in Smyrna Beach, I think. I think he's on the Gulf side. Yeah. I think he's closer to Tampa. Oh, is he? Okay. But anyway, the the founder of this is kind of a friend of mine named Brian Clement, and he's in charge of the place, and he runs all the doctors and the other staff they have there. And a good sign, and I'm sorry if I look down, I've got the camera up here and the screen down there. Uh, no, up, no problem. Sorry. Um, but um, they're under constant attack from the medical industry, which is sure. a really, really good sign. And I think the only reason they're not shut down is they have a lot of uh, high-end conventional medical doctors there. And they have psychiatrists and psychologists and physical therapists. and But they they work on natural principles, not covering up symptoms with drugs, which is the theme of the uh, medical system in conventional terms. You know, they, they mostly give poisonous chemicals and call them medicine. And sure. then when, when they hurt you, they say, well, don't worry, because we have some more medicine over here that's really going to be good. And then when that almost kills you, you know, when that's over, they go to surgery and say, well, don't worry, because we can just remove your organs and it's going to be great. You know, so this is a different approach. And he's still trying to stay acceptable within the medical community, but they've got hundreds of people who go there and they generally stay for three weeks. And I called him and uh, described what I little I knew about the condition of baby Cyrus and said, what do you think, you know, would you be open to exploring where, you know, what they're interested in is the real causes, right? not not the lack of a drug. And he said, yeah, we're really good at that. So uh, you can start, if you decide you want to follow it up, uh, what you could do to start is just get a uh, consultation with him on the phone. Okay which is not horrendously expensive and get a feeling for whether you like him, you know, and whether it makes sense and then see what Hippocrates is it Hippocrates wellness.org. Is there, is there a website? Uh, probably. So what do you see there? Let me see. Hippocrates wellness.org. And yeah, that's it. West Palm beach, Florida, three, three, four, 1466 Hippocrates way. Yeah, that's probably it. it. They've been, um, developing for decades i met the lady who was the predecessor of the founder in the 60s so they've got a fantastic good background i really appreciate that richard i did a project in school for a phd dissertation on natural natural cure of cancer and hippocrates let me interview uh, many of their alumni who had come in with incurable cancer and they were all fine, which is a good thing. Yeah. Cancer was cured a long time ago. It's just, they don't really want to promote that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I had a client of mine who, uh, they had a wellness center in Idaho uh-huh. and I was doing their marketing for them. And I was so excited because they had 
a program that everybody who comes through, it's uh, basically a, a cleansing process or just detoxifying your body all through natural methods using colonics, doing right. um, all these different, um, you know, heavy metal cleanse and a, and a parasite cleanse and, a, a, you know, all toxic cleanse. And they have like seven different modalities they use and, you know, far infrared sauna and the colonics and they have like sonic something or another and then they have the oh what was that device called that suzanne summers used the on demand that they use and then they have they have seven different things they use and everybody who came through there with cancer in 10 days always gets cured and i thought well this is going to be the easiest thing for me to market in the world um because you guys or curing people of cancer over here, but of course that was illegal. So we couldn't do anything. Right. And so all of the marketing we, we, I was allowed and permitted to do was basically meaningless. It's just the same type of stuff that anybody else says, you know, uh, you know, You're supposed um, to send them to chemotherapy right away. It's exactly right. It's just so sad and it's so pathetic. Um, but we've been, we've been turned on to what you're talking about for a long time. So I absolutely believe in all of it wholeheartedly. Super okay. happy to know there's somebody relatively close to us. Uh, we're in Orlando. So, okay. you know, that's only about Palm Beach is about two and a half, maybe three hours away. And we're looking for a place there in Orlando, but we just barely got there two months ago. Okay. And so uh, we're just really getting settled in. So there's did, so many things you, we don't know yet. Did you choose it based on the freedom aspect? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, because the governor there is setting the tone for the whole state. He is, and that's great. You know, the governor could be gone in two years, and they could have the switch back the say. other way. The, the main reason we went there was not the governor. I mean, that's a, it's a temporary blessing, but that's it's right. mostly just based on the freedom mindset of the population. So, you know, I'm a really analytical guy, and if you take a look at the analytics in terms of what's going on in Florida, um, right conservative-minded people are moving in faster than anywhere else in the country. It's the number one move-in state in the country, but it's yeah. the number four move-out state, meaning in, meaning in, in the list of states where people are moving out. The fourth highest number is Florida. And if you look at the demographics uh, closely, you find that it is freedom-minded people moving in, Christians, conservatives, libertarians, um, health freedom moms, uh -huh. anti-vaxxers. Those are people moving in. And it's the leftists, the statists, et cetera, who are all moving out. And wow. so if you take a look at the statistics, the trajectory of Florida's population is what interests me the most, uh, more than just a current governor. Because it means yeah. that there's a whole lot of people who are fighters, who are willing to fight, uh -huh. who are there now and who are going to stay there. I don't want to be in a state that is like where I came from, Idaho, that is supposed to be conservative. And uh -huh. it's not at all by any stretch of the imagination. And people there aren't willing to fight. They're just statists who happen to be Republican, but they're still statists. What's, the name, so of the, healing, want, what's the name of the healing place you found in Idaho? It's called uh, Living, Living Waters Wellness Center. I haven't heard of it. And it's is Dave... Um, doctor was Dr. Dave. What is his last name? I can't believe I forgot his last name, but anyhow, he became a friend of ours. Um, and then I'm going to find his name for you right now. And he's got this incredible wellness center over there. So Dave still, Doss. still operating. He's still operating. They've tried to shut him down multiple times. They have shut him down temporarily. He reopens. They changed the way they do their modalities a little bit so that they're only using USDA-approved stuff. Then the IRS came down on him and trying to shut him down through that aspect. Right. Um, took away his passport, froze their account. You know, same old, same old. Yeah, it's the typical pattern. What's his last name again? Dehas. D-E-H-A-A-S. And what's but, the name? Uh, they're healing people, man. I mean, I personally, just like you did... I personally yeah. interviewed over a dozen of their clients and I went through their system myself. So did my wife she changed her life completely. Everybody who goes through there gets out tons of parasites, visible ones that you can actually see, What's not the just the microscopic the ones. They claim to be there. What's the name of the place again? Living waters wellness center. Okay. What part of Idaho? Uh, in Boise specifically. Okay. Let me see if I can find them really quick. It's been a long time since I've looked them up. Okay, it's called livingwatersclens.com. Livingwatersclens.com. Yeah, if if they learned about 
you know, detoxification and the follow-up for maintenance after that, it would eliminate about 98% of the medical industry. I I 100% agree with you. And I don't know about that stuff from a from the standpoint of how you would probably do it as are you, you're a doctor, right? Uh, just a PhD doctor, not a medical doctor. <laughs> just a PhD doctor. A PhD of what? It's in health sciences, but I specialized in that uh detox and and nutrition and natural cure of cancer and degenerative disease. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Did you ever interview Charlotte Gerson? Uh, no, I've talked to her a long time ago, but I never got to interview her directly. As you know, I am, uh, so our whole family, it's a long story I'll get into, but we all became Mexican citizens over the last couple of years, even though we don't speak Spanish and we weren't raised there. But wow. it's one of the strange, amazing things is that Americans are fleeing America to come to Mexico for health freedom. I and know. as you know, she had her clinic there in Tijuana, yeah. um, which besides her clinic is it being a place that cures cancer. That's a place that's known for, you know, drug trafficking. And it's a, you know, Mexico is a very, very safe country, but there's about five cities that are incredibly dangerous. And Tijuana is one of them. And it just that's where the cartels are operating the most. It's well, what it is, is it's where they cross the border. So it's where they bring the drugs across the border. Tijuana, Nogales, uh, Juarez, it's over there near Texas. But I mean, you can't really judge Mexico by Tijuana. It'd be like judging America by Detroit or St. Louis or Compton. Or San Francisco. Yeah, or Oakland or, or now Seattle. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. We um, talked to a lady who moved to Chiapas. Oh, yeah. And Chiapas is known as one of the freest areas of Mexico. It's one um, of the freest. It's also one of the... Uh, the least populated. So there's yeah. nobody there. So people can basically do whatever the heck they want because there's just, there's no government involvement. It's all jungle. It's right on the Guatemalan border. So it's the furthest wow. place South you can go in Mexico. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful area. There's waterfall. I mean, it's fabulous. And it's good for growing food all year too. It, so I haven't been to those places where they're growing the food, but from what everybody tells me, that's exactly right. It's just lush nutrient-rich soil everywhere and it's plentiful yeah it sounds incredible it's very tempting yeah i know right yeah. it's all my, now my you know my fa- i have five kids and uh now baby cyrus who i imagine we're gonna talk about we just got him mexican citizenship uh one week ago so if anything ever happens with him again we're just out of here we're gone we will just yeah. disappear before the the authorities can try to kidnap him again but um uh, but the cost of living down there is so affordable, and you can now legally exempt up to $215,000 of your American income without paying any taxes, meaning you could pay, you could live in, in Mexico, making yeah. an American income, American salary of up to $215,000 if you're married, and yeah. you do not have to legally pay a single solitary penny to the American government in taxes, nor do you have to pay it to the Mexican government for taxes. So you just save all that money. And instead of having a ten, fifteen thousand dollar a month budget to live well, you can live like a king pretty well, much anywhere still, in Mexico for you, four to five thousand dollars a month. You still have to pay tax in America, right? No. Uh not up to that amount. So so really? it's called the foreign earned income tax credit. You can look it up. And so up to the first $215,000 you earn combined with your spouse is uh-huh. completely exempted to the United States government. You do not start paying taxes until after you cross that threshold. And that's for what? If you live in another country or what? It's exactly right. Any other country in the world. But you so have to really actually different. live there. You have to be a bona fide resident. Oh, so you're going to have to move to do that, basically. You'd have to move to Mexico and you'd have to live there for at least, um, I believe it's 183 days a year. I see. Okay. But if it gets to the point where you decide to do that, then um, that eliminates your U.S. tax on that much money. Think about it. I mean, it's incredible. Charlotte Gerson didn't have to pay me. She was she was living in, in Tijuana. Did she? Um, have a there's lots of people who are... You know, nowadays, a lot of doctors I know, just like the one you just shared with me here, are doing a lot of their their work on Zoom. They're building yeah. clinics in Mexico because they're 10 times cheaper and the service is a thousand times better. You can hire about 10 nurses in Mexico for the price of one in America. And it's like, not literally, the, 
it's not making the nurses starve to death. It's giving them a decent wage, right? You could pay 10 nurses in Mexico for the cost of one nurse here, and those nurses will all be making three to four times what everybody else is making. And happy and loyal as all get out. And then you got natural food. The food there is all natural and raw, fresh ingredients. Of course, they have grocery stores like we do. They have a Walmart and they have all that stuff. And you can buy junk if you want. Yeah. But most people just buy off the streets and the corners from the fresh farms. All the food is fresh vegetables. It's, it's corn and it's, and it's fresh. I mean, everything's fresh. It's just absolutely so are fabulous. They into once- organ- are they into organic and not poisoning the food and stuff like that? The people are. So, if you stay away from the big cities like Mexico City, Guadalajara, um, Cancun, Cabo uh-huh. San Lucas, the tourist traps, those places are so Americanized, you can hardly tell the difference from being there or, or Los Angeles. Yeah. But if you're in a place like Chiapas, like you just mentioned, right. oh man, they're a hundred percent natural, organic. And the other thing is, even just the regular conventional fresh fruits and foods that we have, like if you were to go to to Kroger, H-E-B, Publix, Walmart, any grocery store that we have in America, 50% of all the produce comes from Mexico anyway. So we're shipping, we're importing into the U.S. corn, fruits, um, you know, everything from onions and and tomatoes and all this stuff. But they're picking that stuff in Mexico when it's just green and it's barely even. I know. know. Hardly any nutrients are being pulled into that. It's not edible if you want to be healthy. It really isn't. And so that stuff is being ripened, not on the vine, but in transit and sitting on these store shelves where in Mexico, they bring those things to the to the daily market and people daily buy that stuff fresh every day. Like I literally cannot eat a tomato in America anywhere. It just tastes like cardboard. Once you come down to Mexico and you're like, you can eat a tomato like an apple. You just bite into it. It's just so full of flavor. And that's, that's at hard. almost any market. Wow. Any like a local form, farmer's market type thing? Uh, th- there's not a whole lot of local farmer's markets. What there's a lot of is just like if you drive out on the sh- every street, there's people with stands huh. and they're selling everything. Wow. And so they've got and they got things that we don't have here. Passion fruit and mangoes and, right, right. and papaya and dragon fruit. Well, actually, papaya is dragon fruit. Um, all this stuff that we don't even have. And soursop, which they call wanabana, is just delicious tropical fruits. Uh, it's just incredible. And it's mostly organic. Most of it is. I mean, most of it wouldn't even be labeled organic because it's just some local farmer around the corner who's, right. you know, growing this stuff on his land. But and they're not using matter. any poisonous anything. They're just growing like they've been growing for hundreds of years. So yeah. lo- the reason it's not labeled organic is because to label it organic, you have to pay some company to come out oh, and I certify know. you and and label and, it organic. They're just growing in. The, that labeling criteria is degenerating anyway. It is. So, yeah. uh, but you got, you know, this is your neighborhood guy. This is like, when I grew up, where we lived, my neighbors all had fruit trees. We all had fruit trees. They had lemons and limes and we had plums and we had walnuts and everybody had more fruit than they could deal with. So we all shared it with each other, right? None of us oh. labeled it as organic. But nobody was, nobody even tended to their trees. They just grew on their own and and they would get ripe. You pull them all off in the in that season of harvest, and we go around the neighborhood sharing with everybody. And Mexico's kind of like that. I mean, just yeah, you got farmers who've got you know bigger places and better, but pineapples here are to die for. Oh my goodness, the pineapples are just uh-huh. unbelievable. So one of the things I was wondering about in Mexico that I've heard from people that moved down there is number one, it's it's illegal to have firearms for self defense. That's that- true. So so yes and no. So I've looked into this deeply because I'm a firearms guy yeah. and my other brother, who's a, who's a firearms instructor and trainer. He, uh, he's big into this as well. The Mexican law. So if you're for, for you, you couldn't have one. Um, but if you ever become a citizen, which only takes five years to become a Mexican citizen after living there for five years, uh-huh. you can have one. So it's the part of the Mexican constitution that you have the right to keep arms, but you don't have the right to bear arms. So, so you can carry have, it around. You could not carry it in public for self-defense, but you could have one in your home for home self-defense. And okay. if someone were to try attacking your home, you could there. There is an exception to that rule for the people who want to go to that extent. 
And that is you can register yourself as private security. And yeah, if you register 100%. yourself as private security, then you'd be registered with the government and then you could uh, keep and bear arms. So private security guards are allowed to uh, to have them. And that's the exception to get around the rule. I wonder how hard it is to get that. That's a good question. That I don't know. I, I know it's possible. But I don't know how hard it is. Interesting. The other thing is um, the lady in Chiapas that I mentioned said that uh-huh. she's still an American citizen and right. she has severe limits on her speech. Do you know about that? Severe limits on her speech? Yeah, she was hesitant to say certain things on the air because if the Mexican government found out, she could get deported. I don't know anything about that. On, on the contrary, I have found Mexico to be freer in virtually every single way imaginable than the United States in every way. Okay. Business-wise, um, speech-wise, they don't have the cancel culture that we that uh, we have in the United States. Now, Mexico is just behind the U.S., meaning they're 20, 30, 40 years behind us. So everything that we have in the States, they'll probably have in 20, 30, 40 years. But in terms of speech, I mean... I go around all the time blasting the Mexican government, saying it in Spanish. Some people get offended. Most people don't care, but the government doesn't do anything about it. In fact, when when you're in Mexico, you mean in Mexico. Yep. Okay. Okay. Physically present in Mexico. And I've been all over the country and I'm actually, um, I am a full blown Mexican citizen now and I'm still learning Spanish. So my Spanish is not so good, but, uh, but in terms of free speech, Mexico is known for being the free speech center of Latin America. You can say anything and nothing happens to you. So I don't know what she's talking about, but okay, perhaps she's talking about something local. Well, she's not a citizen. That and doesn't she, matter. She, maybe she's wrong. I mean, she could misunderstand. Could be she's misunderstanding. I can tell you right now, there's a, a an, like an unbelievable amount of Venezuelans who have uh-huh. escaped the Venezuelan um, government and they've come to Mexico. Right. And they're just here like gangbusters. There's just so many of them and none of them are citizens. They're just Venezuelans on on visas and they are, you know, residents of Mexico. And the number one thing they all share that they love most about Mexico is that it's free. They say, I can say whatever I want. I can criticize the government. I'm not going to be arrested. I'm not going to be shut down because they come from Venezuela. They're they're used to looking over their shoulder every two seconds. They're afraid of being arrested for saying anything. They're afraid of getting things confiscated. Um, But Mexicans, by example, are not afraid of the police. You know, in the United States, we're terrified of the police because they can do anything to you and destroy your life at any moment. Right. Where here, nobody respects the police. They just look at them as a bunch of clowns. And, you know, they, they look at them as a bunch of corrupt buffoons who are going to try to get a bribe out of you for driving too fast. And that's how they get paid. And so that's where, kind of the way it's looked at. Where are you sitting right now? Are you in Mexico? I am. What What area of Mexico? I'm right outside of Cancun. Okay. Okay. There's a cancer uh, facility in Cancun. Called, Is there? Uh, yeah. What's it called? Shoot. New. Oh, wait. Could be Oasis of Hope. Something like that. And I had heard some of the people going into the city of Cancun were concerned about the crime going on there. Is that because it's a big city? So Cancun's an interesting place. Um, I have zero concern for any crime here. But I can tell you that, and I mean this in all sincerity, we just talk openly. We're not afraid of political correctness. White okay. people would have more to be concerned about than us. You know, we're brown, so we fit in. Um, however, uh, Cancun has basically three major parts to it. There's a, the touristy part called the hotel zone. Uh-huh. Or in Spanish called the Sono Hotelera. And so when people visit Cancun, they're all speaking of that area. It's a very touristy area. Oh, okay. And there's zero crime there. There's no crime that happens there like ever and and they actually have extra tourism police that guard that area and it's it's very very safe and secure outside of that area is the actual city of cancun that most people are unaware of it's very big it's a million people who live there a lot of people don't realize that's how big it is Um, i'm outside of the city i'm kind of like in a in a suburb of cancun um and that big city of cancun has everything just like a big city in america like la you know, yeah, you've got yeah. rich areas with unbelievable affluence and wealth, and you have poor areas just a couple of miles up the street. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a mix of all of it. Um, and of course there, there are, there's the gang here is the gangs that exist here, just like they do in a big city like LA or San Francisco or Las Vegas or Miami or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a, I would say it is exactly the same safety issues here as any city of equivalent size in the United States. And, and it took you five years to get your citizenship, I guess, right? So it took me less than a year because I got it by birthright. It's a super long story that I won't bore you with, but basically a long story short is you've seen those stories where you see like uh, people on Oprah who are reunited after being separated at birth for 60 years yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So that happened to my dad and my dad thought he was, he was an only child. That's what he thought he was raised an only child, but it turned out that he had 11 siblings in Mexico and he was literally separated from his family at birth um, three weeks after birth, actually. And they reunited six years ago. When they reunited six years ago, um, my dad found out that, you know, like you're interviewing Diego Rodriguez. It turns out Rodriguez is not even my real biological last name. Turns out that we had our names wrong, that our family history was wrong. Everything was a mess. Wow. As a result of that, my dad was able to get Mexican citizenship once he got a hold of his father, his biological father's birth certificate from Mexico. So my dad got Mexican citizenship and I got Mexican citizenship through him. And then my five kids all got Mexican citizenship through me. And then baby Cyrus got Mexican citizenship through my daughter. And so now this is something we can pass on forever. And of course, um, dual citizenship is super common and you do not have to be Mexican to get, to get that. You can uh, become a temporary resident for one year. Um, Then you renew it. And then after you renew it, you can stay in Mexico for up to four years. After four years, you change your temporary residency to permanent residency. Uh And then after being in Mexico for five years, you can take the test and become a Mexican citizen and have a Mexican passport. And um, what that gives you is a lot of really great opportunities um, in terms of business, travel Mm -hmm. and investments. So there's investments that you can make as a Mexican citizen that insulate you a little bit from American jurisdiction, even though as an American citizen, you, you're always going to have to pay the American tax man, but not until you cross the threshold of $215,000 a year. And that is assuming that you are a, uh, a married. If you're, if you're not married and you're single, then it's just half that it's 107,000 or whatever it is. Right, um, right. But of course you can structure your business in such a way that you have a corporation, your corporation pays you a salary, your salary is what it is. The corporation pays its own taxes. And then that wow. all gets separate separately held as well but um but after five years brother you can become a mexican citizen and one of the best best parts of that is mexico is one of the few countries that doesn't allow foreigners to buy up its prime real estate so if you want to buy property within 100 excuse me 50 kilometers of the border Uh excuse me 50 kilometers of the coast or 100 kilometers of the border um which is basically 25 miles from the from the coastline you have to be a mexican citizen so if you wanted to buy property in Ixtapa or Cancun or Mazatlan or something like that, uh-huh. as an American citizen, you can't do it. Now, you might know of people who are doing it, but what they don't tell you is they're setting up a trust and they're setting up a 99-year trust with the Mexican federal government, meaning after 99 years, that property goes back to the federal to the Mexican federal government. So you can have right. control of it maybe in your lifetime, but you won't be able to pass it on forever because it's actually part of a trust. Wow. Um, and when you become a Mexican citizen, you can put it right in your name. And Mexico actually does a better job of protecting private property rights than the U.S. does. Wow. Wow. And so you can want- see that. When you go to a place like Cancun, if you go to a place like Cancun, you'll see these giant resorts, right? There's these huge mega resorts, multi-mega million dollar resorts. And then right next to it's another multi-million dollar resort. And sandwiched in between them is this little dirty old shack. And you're which, like, they, which they could not tear down, right? Which they couldn't tear down. That would never exist in America. They yeah. would just, they would just roll that thing right over. The developers would get that thing eminent domained, and boom, right. they'd roll it right over, and they'd kick people out. In Mexico, that wow. shack is still there, brother. Wow, amazing! It's really great to get some insight from inside the country. And well, I felt like everybody else did before I came here. I thought Mexico was dangerous. It was poor. It's a third world country. If I go there, I'm going to get killed because that's what everybody tells me. And that's what the media says. And then you come here and you're like, oh, my goodness. Everything I heard is a total lie. And then you find out that. What's that? 
you look like you're still alive and everything. Yeah. I mean, I've been coming mm-hmm. here uh, every year for five years. Now I'm coming here almost on a monthly basis, kind of living here half the time and living there half the time. I'm also starting to do some work in Panama. So I'm here right now because I need to travel to Panama through Mexico um, in order to set my business um, and get my things in, in Panama because I'm going to Panama as a Mexican citizen and not an American citizen. So I'm going there on my Mexican passport. And so, uh, Panama is another great and interesting place, but you know, there's just, there's nothing that compares to Mexico. It's not super dangerous. Um, in fact, it is way safer than the U S in so many ways. But what happened is there's a lot of people of Mexican descent who live in America and let's yeah. just be honest, the people of Mexican descent who live in America are dangerous, they're violent, they're criminals, they fill up our 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 jails and our prisons all over the place. And this is the the mindset that most Americans have of what a Mexican is, including That's me. Right. I'm one of those, and those people are called Chicanos. They're yeah. not actual Mexicans, they're Chicanos. And most of those people have never been to Mexico, they've never lived in Mexico, they don't know anything about Mexico. They were raised in America, they were raised in California, Texas, Arizona, and so they're maybe Americans. their parents came from Mexico or something. They're usually first or second generation. But what I found is this, the people who left Mexico to come to America are the worst examples of the people who were leaving Mexico. Is that because the regular good people have no interest in leaving? That's 100% correct. Okay. Think about it. Yeah. Everything we just described is why would anybody who has a job and is, has a decent living, why would you want to leave this place? You so wouldn't the want only to. The reason that Chicanos come is to do some scam or other. One of three reasons. They come to the United States because either one, they're criminals. They are criminals are coming here to get to do harm and to do some damage. So that's the first reason. The second reason they come is they're coming for freebies because the United States announces to America, come here and get free stuff. So you offer people free stuff. If people are poor, they're going to come for that free stuff. The third reason is if they are uneducated, they don't have a good job and they can't get a good job. There are a lot of honest Mexicans crossing the border illegally to come to the U.S. in order just to find work. Those people aren't going to harm you. Those people, nobody has any problem with. Those are the construction workers and those are the maids and those are the honest hearted Mexicans who broke our immigration law in order to come over. Those are good people. However, they're just one third of the of the whole. And so you've got those other two thirds that make everybody look bad. When you come down here to Mexico, you find Mexicans are passive. They're not aggressive people. They're not people who are going to attack you. Uh, they're very passive people. They're very warm, open, loving people. I'm speaking culturally, right? Yeah. And I fell in love with them. Before I ever came down to Mexico, I'll tell you straight up, my name might be Diego Rodriguez, but I just didn't like Mexicans because my family members were that way. My family members were crooks and criminals and violent and bad people. I was like, man, I don't want anything to do with that. So they came down to Mexico for the first time six years ago. Say it again. Only exception would be in the cities with the gang members, right? So that is the big exception. So you've got these cities. There's about five of them in Mexico. You've got Juarez. You've got uh, Nogales. You've got Tijuana. You have Acapulco, which is very unfortunate because it used to be, you know, a, a very well-known place for, right. for you know, resorts and that type of thing and for travel. And then you've got uh, Mexico City. And Mexico City can be very dangerous. It's absolutely humongous. There's 30 million people who live there. It's basically its own country. Right. But if you live in any of the other places outside of, of there, you just find happy, friendly, nice, calm people in a peaceful lifestyle with organic food, freedom, and absolutely delicious uh, cuisine that will just knock your socks off. So the only hope we've got is if you adopt all of us as your kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know what's funny? We have a lot of friends who are moving down to Mexico and buying property, and... um in the last two years, the rate of both Americans and Canadians moving to Mexico has accelerated like exponentially. So for the last, most people don't know, there are more American immigrants living in Mexico than there are Mexican immigrants legally living in in America. So in terms of legal migration, there's more Americans going to Mexico than the other way around. Now, Illegals, of course, they trump us. You know, the Mexicans trump the Americans sure. by and large. 
But from a legal perspective, those who are legally moving from one country to the other, more Americans move to Mexico than the other way around. And in the last two years, that has gone up exponentially because particularly there's two types of people who are moving. One, retired people. They're on mm-hmm. a fixed income. And they were living in a house that, you know, they bought 30 years ago for $50,000. Right. And now it's worth $500,000. So they're sitting on a pile of equity. But their property taxes have gone up now so much that they're now paying 2% on $500,000. So they got to pay, you know, uh, $10,000 a year for property taxes. And they're on a fixed income. Yeah. And what do they want to do that for? And if they sell their house for a half a million, they can take the equity by another house and retire in Florida or somewhere else, but they're going to pay three, $400,000 for a decent house to live in. Or they could go to Mexico, buy a virtual mansion for 150 grand, live on, uh, the interest that they have for the rest of the money they, that they, that they have. Right. Um, just even in a bank account, just an interesting interest bearing bank account or, or some basic mutual funds, but just your fixed income, like, even people on social security, because you can actually live in Mexico and still get social security. If you have a couple, he and she, and they each are getting social security benefits at, at a low level of 12, 13, even fit 14, $1,500, but let's just say as low as $1,200. A couple can live like Kings on $2,400 a month, including having a live in maid who does all of your cooking, all of your cleaning, does everything for you. And you guys have no domestic duties. All you got to do is love life and enjoy yourselves. And so when people see that and they learn that and they know, and in a place like Chiapas, Oh my goodness, it is so cheap. You know, Cancun is the most expensive place to live in Mexico. Yeah. You go to Chiapas brother, you could live like a King for 1500 bucks a month. Hmm. You just have to have the equity to buy a place in the beginning. That is 100% correct. And that is the reason. So there's two types of people who are moving. Number one is the retirees. And number two are the people who are work from home, digital nomads, that type of thing. And the reason why you have to have the equity is because as an American citizen, you're not going to get a piece of property or a home financed by a Mexican or American bank in Mexico. So the people who are moving are these retirees. They already own their home or they have enough equity in the home that when they cash out, they can buy a piece of property, a big, big house. But you're saying, uh, and, you know, most allowed- people who are retiring don't want a big house. You said they're not allowed to buy it for five years, though. So. Well, you can't buy it within 25 miles of the coastline. Oh, but somewhere inland you could. 100%. If you wanted to buy a property with 100 acres of farmland in Chiapas and have your own organic retreat, bring people right. in where you feed them organic food and you let them breathe the clean air free from EMFs and free from, you know, all types of other toxic toxicity. Right. And you want to build your own property, you know, inland in Chiapas over there, you can do it right now. You don't need anything at all. No special papers, no special documentation, just buy the property and start building. Wow. And, and prices per acre are pretty cheap. It varies, but in a place like Chiapas might be some of the cheapest property in all of Mexico. Wow. It's like the difference between buying property in the middle of, of nowhere in Kansas or, or Missouri and buying property in San Francisco. It it varies just like that. Wow. 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 Well, it just opens up all kinds of new possibilities because one of the, it really does brother. One of the things we wanted to do, with uh, Lost Arts Research Institute, which is the nonprofit that holds together Lost Arts Radio, is to start a school that would be a place that would be something like a facility like that. And wondering where to do it. You know, I'm in Arizona, which for the U.S. has some advantages in freedom, but not probably not as good as Florida, but pretty good. But compared to what Mexico would be, uh, I think a lot of it will come down to, you know, the U.S. is targeted for termination right now in many ways. One of them is economic, and they're destroying the value of the money right now systematically. And I'm wondering what, I'm assuming Mexico is also controlled by a central bank, which is independent of the government, right? So all countries are the benefit that we have as Americans currently, and that probably should go on for a while is that if you earn American dollars, those American dollars, even if they become worthless in the U.S., are going to always go way further in Mexico. So, so you, you earn the American all, dollar, then you convert do, it to the Mexican peso. They're not going to destroy the pesos like the dollar. 
They will, but they'll do it afterwards. Meaning, um, whatever money you earn in dollars, you can then convert that money into pesos and it's still going to go further. So your wealth isn't being destroyed. And then once you're here, the biggest benefit, of course, is all that money that you're paying in taxes to the U.S. government that you save on a, on a, on an annual basis is completely insane. It's completely insane once you calculate it and you see what it actually amounts to. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who currently lives in Puerto Rico because um, he was big into cryptocurrency and he moved out there for the tax benefits. He first lived in Chile. He got Chilean citizenship. Then he moved to Puerto Rico and now he's going to move to Mexico. In fact, he had his daughter here in Mexico in Cancun just six months ago so that his daughter could become a Mexican citizen. And then he could do the anchor baby thing where he's he now has Mexican residency through his daughter. And as a parent of a resident, or excuse me, as a parent of a citizen, he can apply for citizenship in two years instead of five. Okay. So he's so he he already has five passports and he's going for a sixth one with Mexico. Well, he he talks about very specifically saving all the the, the money using the foreign earned income tax uh, credit every year, and he calculates how much money that tax is every year for him. So yeah. they'll say, okay, I'm supposed to be paying. $50,000 this year in taxes that I'm not going to pay because I'm an expat. So he takes that money every single year and he puts it in an investment account that he has mm. specifically tagged his U.S. tax account. This is what I would be paying in U.S. taxes. Wow. And that account is now worth multiple millions of dollars. And what he does with that money every year is he gives it away. So he takes whatever percentage of it, and I don't know what it is. I think he takes 20% a year or something like that. Or, or maybe he just takes what it grows every year. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So he takes, you know, uh, let's just say it starts off at a hundred grand and then, you know, every, every year, you know, hundred, 150 and then 225 and compound interest takes over and you know how it all works. Right. So he'll take the amount that it's grown from the original uh, principle and he'll give that amount away so that it keeps growing year for year for year, but he can give away a significant chunk every year. And so then what he does is he gives it away at, a, at an annual conference and he shares with everybody, you know, like last year he found a guy who got his limbs blown off at one of these fake wars that we had in Afghanistan or wherever else mm-hmm. we had it. And mm-hmm. the United States um, Veterans Administration was sending him through the bureaucratic nightmare to try to get him um, prosthetics because it was mm-hmm. going to cost thousand dollars and they didn't want to pay it even though they sent him off to fight a meaningless war to get his parts blown up blown apart and he just paid it cash out and said i'll take care of it for you because i'm going to pay for it as a private citizen what your government won't do for you because i've been able to keep the money that they steal from everybody else wow and so he does it every year so he has this is a friend of yours right yeah He's a friend of mine. He's uh he's kind of a well-known um international guru and he currently lives in Puerto Rico and he does this every single year. Um and he the reason he moved to Puerto Rico is because he was living in Chile like I said before that, but the Puerto Rican tax incentives were so strong that uh-huh. he could basically make all of his personal income tax-free while still maintaining American citizenship and then mm-hmm. take any business income and only pay 4% on that. So previously he was paying, uh, he makes more than 215,000 a year, right? So because he makes more than 215,000 a year, he could only exempt so much and the rest of it, he still had to pay right. by moving to Puerto Rico. It went down to zero. Wow. And obviously we'll probably need to start the radio show at some point. <laughs> yeah, one, yes, we are. One more thing I would have asked you though, is um, what kind of business are you doing in, in Mexico and Panama and the U S so I'm a business consultant. I do uh business marketing and sales growth. So I help businesses grow and build their businesses. And so I can do that anywhere from the world. I do have a studio there. I had it in Idaho. We moved it over here to Florida. Um, mm-hmm. But over here, it's the same thing. So I can do it now internationally. I can work with American companies. I can work with Mexican companies. I can work with Russian companies. Doesn't matter. Wow. But from a structural perspective, um, because I'm learning how to speak Spanish, I mm-hmm. do want to start doing business down here. And what I'm working on building as we speak is I'm building a network of uh, manufacturers in Mexico uh-huh. so that I could do 
my part in bringing down communist China by moving as much American manufacturing that's currently being done to China in China and moving it to Mexico. So, for example, you sell this bag and you're currently buying this bag off of Alibaba from China and you get it shipped to you every single year from China. Well, there are Mexican Amazon could get it from China, too. Yep. And there's a. There's Mexican companies who can make the same quality, many times better quality, cheaper, faster, and better because the labor costs are actually cheaper now in America and the shipping costs are obviously way lower because the, I don't remember the exact statistic, I want to say it's 67%, maybe even over 70, but let's just say 67% of the United States of America is geographically closer to Mexico than it is to the rest of the United States of America. Right. So think about it. You live in Sedona, Arizona. Are you closer to me in Orlando or are you closer to Mexico? <laughs> right. I mean, oh, for sure. Yeah. You could be in Mexico in a few hours where it would take you a day and, and, and some change to get to me in, in Orlando, Florida. And yeah. so with the advent of NAFTA years ago, and then Trump, you know, renegotiated NAFTA. And now they call it the uh, USMNT or whatever that is, they call it, which, is totally meaningless. Uh, Trump didn't do anything there at all. It's basically NAFTA with a new name on it. That's all it is. I don't think Trump ever read the agreement anyway. Yeah, I know. It's just pointless. But the point is, is while nothing was changed, it did bring from a marketing perspective more attention to the fact that Canadians and American businesses are now being told, hey, Mexico is open for business. Do your manufacturing there. And... The who is who everybody's benefiting from this. The Mexicans are getting better jobs, higher uh, income. And in the United States and Canada, we're getting quicker, faster, cheaper products. And we're not funding the Chinese communist communist party in the process. Right. right. So my right. my program and my system right now is about building a a database and a network of Mexican manufacturers um i'm starting off in textiles furniture and some simple uh manufacturing where where china completely dominates and mexico won't be able to catch up is in advanced electronics mexico just can't do advanced electronics china dominates the world in that but if you want to talk about furniture if you want to talk about you know plastics and anything like that mexico can do it just as good if not better than anybody textiles clothes and they're right here right next to us wow Wow. But nobody has put a system together yet to make it easy for American businesses to do business with the Mexicans, where the Chinese have put those systems in place. And so people are just working with them where there's cultural issues, there's logistical issues, there's payment issues, there's uh, currency exchange issues that businesses don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing is I'm coming in and saying, I'll take care of all that. You're in one point of contact. You work with my consulting company. What is it that you sell? We sell shoes. Okay, great. How much are you selling shoes for? Well, we're selling the shoes for this much. We're buying them from China for this price. It takes this long to get here. Here's what they look like. Okay, give me an example of your shoe. I'll get you a sample of this shoe back in two weeks. And then I'll get you our pricing. Well, we can do it for you for and how much, how fast you can get it. And we're going to be anywhere from, from five to 20% cheaper than China and two to three times faster. So you, you'd be the broker between the manufacturer and the next stage in the supply chain. We, we would be the broker, but we built a brand new model because my company is a marketing company. And so what we're doing is I'm going to set up a system of brokers who handle the transaction to ensure that it works seamlessly. But then we are going to do the marketing for the Mexican manufacturing company to the American and Canadian businesses so that they have an English speaking, English American culturally understanding marketing company to present Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. to these, to these businesses. We're then going to do it the other way around. Once these Mexican manufacturing companies are selling shoes all throughout the United States and making more money than they ever had, I'm going to say, Hey, why don't you sell to Panama? And then from Panama, which is where the Panama Canal is, we can then sell to all of South America and the world. And so we got a five to 10 year business plan here that should is really freaking phenomenal, but it's going to be a lot of work for me in the next year, making this all happen. Oh yeah. You're going to need at least 24 hours a day work schedule. Yeah. (laughs) You totally understand it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough time. So um, I guess the, the other last thing that I would ask you before we start 
doing the radio show part, is you said it's an advantage to you to fit in comfortably in the culture down there because people just assume that you're Mexican. So not all of us, you know, can do that so easily. So if we look like we might not be Mexican, how much of a problem is that? Um, it's not a problem outside of the big cities. So if you're in a place like a touristy place, then everybody is going to uh, charge you the gringo tax, right? So you're going to, you'll be right. safe, but you're going to get charged extra for everything. So someone like yourself, you do want to be in a place that openly welcomes uh, what they call gringos. Gringos just means an American. So what um, about Chiapas or somewhere like that? I think Chiapas, uh, I'm going to be in Chiapas actually in three months. And, um, I'll give you a more firsthand experience for the, cause I'm going to go to more places than, okay. than, than ever. But from everything that I already know about Chiapas, um, that might be a perfect place for you. I mean, have you seen the pictures of Chiapas? I, no, not, not really. Uh-oh. Oh my goodness. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's like an untapped paradise. Like it's, it's like a piece of property that has basic infrastructure for modern civility um, mm-hmm. because it's a border country. Right. So it's, it borders Guatemala. Right. But it's, there's so few pot, there's such a little population there. It's like an untouched piece of paradise. Like you can just have whatever you want to have there. Uh, and Mexico is, is a huge, huge, huge country and everybody lives in Mexico City. Right. So that's where it's right. so condensed over there that it's the population is very sparse outside of there. But Chiapas is, I, it, Chiapas might be like Alaska to America. It's just beautiful large countryside but nobody lives there without the polar bears and the ice yeah but they're gonna have panthers and snakes and stuff yeah like yeah they've got some other stuff but yeah the they're we- gonna have tropical crazy stuff but the weather's good for agriculture absolutely absolutely in fact um some of the best uh chiapas is known for oh no i'm thinking of colima right north of them is Colima and they produce like, I don't know, 80% of the world's limes. So if you got a lime right there that you're squeezing on anything you're drinking that, you know, more than likely came out of here. Right. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's kind of a anticlimactic thing to talk about all the subjects we were going to go into. That was actually fun. We went off on a complete, totally separate yeah. topic, but hey, that could be, that that could be like, that's like the uh, move to Mexico show. We'll, we'll have that separate. well it's humorous because it was one of the things we were trying to do as quickly and covertly as possible when baby cyrus was kidnapped Uh was get his citizenship so we could get out of there if we needed to do that in a hurry because uh we didn't know legally how this was going to come down and all pan out and this cps nightmare that we lived through it is a uniquely american phenomenon it is growing worldwide but it's uniquely american in the sense that only in America do we have a financial incentive from the federal government for state governments to kidnap babies. Yeah. So yeah. because of that, this doesn't happen in other places. So, you know, people ask me, well, what happens in Mexico if someone's abusing their kids? I said, well, first of all, that's very rare. Just like it's rare in America, it's rare yeah, everywhere. Sure. But if it does happen, here's how that would work in Mexico. The cops come over, take the kid, give the kid to grandma, say, have a good day and walk away. And that's the end of the story. That's, I mean, they have, that's they have all common, that happens. They have common sense. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's it, man. That's how it goes down. They outlawed common sense in America a while back. They sure yeah. did, brother. <laughs> they all sure right. did. Yeah.